Let us pray. God of Mary and Elizabeth, of the angel Gabriel, of Zechariah and Joseph, of John the Baptist and Jesus, the Anointed One, we join you in that hillside town with the song that Mary sang, praying that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, and let the people say, Last year we came to this Sunday and we preached on this text. And I said to you, it was my sixth advent with you, and I didn't know if I had anything new to say about these stories. It's now my seventh advent with you, and I still don't know if I have anything new to say about these stories. But I chose the same text, even though it was in the lectionary, I believe, because I still need to figure something out about this story, and maybe you do too. As I said last year, when we go over these familiar stories again, it's almost like we re-watch a movie. It's like A Wonderful Life or Love Actually. Some favorite movie you may go back to again and again to revisit those favorite scenes because even though you know how it's going to end up, there's something you want to see again in it, something you want to be reminded of, something you want to feel again. And I think it is the same way when we come to these stories again and again. They are both so odd and so otherworldly A woman who has never been able to have a child, who is, to our modern understanding, after menopause and yet is going to have a baby. Another woman who says that she is a virgin, she's never been with a man, and yet she's going to have a baby. What is going on? And how in the 21st century, with our modern understanding of biology and reproduction, are we to engage with these stories once again? I'm reminded whenever we come to the season of Advent, something that Jazz, our seminarian, reminded you of last week in her sermon, is that what we do in here is a little bit different than what's going on out on the street. Out on the street, it is currently the high holy days of American consumer capitalism. It starts sometime after Halloween and goes all the way up to Christmas Eve. But in Advent, going back centuries in the church, it's something a little different that we do in here. We actually try to calm down We try to slow down. We try to light candles and acknowledge that the dark is encroaching in the night. The nights are getting longer and the day shorter. And we try to remember that there is something deeper that we're digging into in preparation for welcoming the Christ child back into our lives. As one of our confirmands said this morning, it's a very metaphysical kind of thing we do here. And when we reread this passage of Mary getting the news from the angel, of her greeting Elizabeth, and then singing this magnificent Magnificat, My Soul Magnifies the Lord, there is good news going on. Because here in Advent, we are trying to look for the good news, whereas in all of our media sources, as I often say, we are reminded again and again of the bad news. And our job here is to remember what the good news is. Now, in this story, the immediate good news is you're going to have a baby. You didn't think it would happen, or you're maybe not ready for it to happen, but it's going to happen. The second level of good news is that these babies are actually going to go change the world. That one of them, John the Baptist, is going to be this crazy, wild-eyed, locust-eating, wild-honey-eating, fur-bearing prophet in the wilderness making way for Jesus to come. 
And Jesus, well, as I like to say, he's the reason you still came into this room today over 2,000 years later. I understand you may have some ambivalence about it, you may have some questions about it, you may have some doubts about it, but it is the reason we're still here. And Mary is asked to make that happen. And she consents. She says, here I am, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me. But the deeper good news in this passage, I believe, and the one that maybe you and I can latch on to today and keep with us, is when the angel says to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That's like saying, a stitch in time saves nine. It's just true, regardless. Nothing is impossible with God, yet you and I forget it all the time. We think it's all up to us. We think it's up to us and our lists, up in our own abilities, up, and our own, up to us and our own deficiencies. But it's actually, no, we have a partner in this, the partner who gave us life, and who wants to live in us again, as the old carol says, be born in us again today. This raises a bigger question for me that a favorite commentator raised about this passage. I wonder how many of us in this room believe that God is actually actively working in our world today, working with us in the same way that God worked with the angel Gabriel, tapping us on the shoulder and saying, hey, I need you to do this. Are you willing? My guess is that we often don't experience that way. I don't know the last time you were visited by an angel, but it's been a long time for me. You keep looking and waiting, and it may happen in this internal way. But in terms of God coming up like a burning bush to Moses or to Jonah in the belly of the whale or to Paul on the road to Damascus being struck blind and hearing the voice of Jesus... We don't hear a lot about that in our industrialized Western 21st century world. My guess is if and when it happens, we write people off as a little disturbed, a little out of touch, maybe living on some other realm. Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite theologians, says, few of our people imagine God to be an active character in the story of their lives. I'm aware when I get up here every Sunday, there's a smattering of atheism and agnosticism going on among us. And we may come back in here again to remember that maybe there is something deeper, something life-giving that keeps us going. But in general, I think a lot of us think God is fairly passive, hanging out at the margins of our lives, in the background, maybe trying to support us or encourage us occasionally, but nothing like what happens in this story. But that's not how the Bible tells it. God watches. God also gets directly involved, doing all sorts of things, all kinds of things, great and small, mighty and mundane, miraculous. God is always at work. And it's understandable for a person like Mary, who the culture has told her that she's insignificant, she doesn't matter, for God to say, guess what? You're going to bear the child of God. You're going to bring God into the way. You're going to magnify God in the world. And she says, how can this be? Has that ever happened to you that something challenges you? A person asks you to do something or something in your life. You get the phone call. You get the letter. You get the bad news. And you think, there's no way I can possibly do this. I'm not up to it. I don't have the skills. I don't have the bandwidth. I've never done anything like this before. And lo and behold, 
either with your will or against your will, you have to step into that challenge and make it work. My guess, my belief actually, is that you didn't do it alone. That God did it with you. That God was working in you. I believe that giving birth to God in our modern context means it begins in the spaces where we are. Not trying to work up energy to be where we aren't. God meets us right where we are. In our homes, in our workplaces, in our friendships, in our family relationships. And invites us to all kinds of change. See, Mary gave birth to someone who invited us to be kinder to love fully and deeply. And that love means that there is justice and room at the table for all. And when we step into that, when we're willing to take that on, it becomes a whole new adventure of faith. Now granted, it was good news to hear they were going to have babies, particularly for Mary, who was willing to do it, who was ready to start a family, but maybe not so soon. It was good news for Elizabeth, certainly, who had always wanted to have a baby and thought she couldn't have one. But it wasn't easy. Anyone here who's ever had a baby can tell you it's not easy. It is this foreign being in your body who takes up a lot of space and energy and disrupts your life. And that's just the first nine months. Continues on, I marvel at the parents in our midst and the commitment that people make to bringing new life into this world and the people who teach them and coach them. And what does it mean for us to let God work in us in that same disruptive, seemingly foreign way, and we help guide the child of God into the world around us? My guess is that right now, somewhere in your life, God is tapping you on the shoulder. God is trying to show up as an angel and get your attention. Mine too. And the question is, are we aware of it? Are we waking up to it? Are we listening for it? Are we expecting it? For some sort of challenge that we maybe think we can't take on, for something we were actually made to do. It won't always be easy. It will be stressful. But I believe God is saying to you, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Come and let us be open to how I might work in your life. A lot of us think we are inadequate. We're not up to the task. We don't have the skills. But God, as I said, will meet us right where we are at and start right there. So I just want to try a little exercise with you. It may feel hokey to some of you, but go with it, please. Just repeat after me. I am favored by God. Can you say it with a little more conviction? I am favored by God. Indeed, God wants to do great things through me. It's a mouthful. Try it again. Indeed, God wants to do great things through me. These may be things that happen right away, or they may take decades to see how God was working through you. Just take a moment and think what God might be asking you to do right now. 
to step in and bring more love and compassion and justice in the world. There is something in your life where God is tapping you on the shoulder. What might it be? Just think about that for a moment. Small or mighty, magnificent or mundane. Every day, right in the moment, or long term. If it hasn't come to you already, I invite you to take that home with you this week and pray about it. Look and listen for it. Don't try too hard. Just let it come to you. But here's something else I'd like you to try to say. Here am I, a servant of the Lord. Here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me, according to your word. As I look out on this congregation this morning, I see a room full of people favored by God. A room full of people that God wants to work through and in and with and is doing it already in magnificent ways. And my guess is, as we make our way over the next ten days to Christmas Day, each of us should remember that we are favored and loved. That God is trying to do great things individually. And look around you. God is trying to do things for people around you. If we're willing to wait and watch and listen. Let the people say Amen. Amen.